Welcome to Irish Exit Everything. My name is Frank, and I'm proud to be an Irish exiteer, where at least I know I can leave whenever I want, because that's my right. Anyway, uh, my fellow Americans should recognize that tune. That was, of course, a parody of the 1984 hit single God Bless the USA by country music artist Lee Greenwood. Very popular song among fireworks salesmen and the NRA. And fun fact... Lee Greenwood also wrote a song called God Bless You Canada, which uses the exact same music from God Bless the USA, but replaces the lyrics with references to the Great White North. So, what the shit is that, man? You're just going to pawn off our song to another country? That's very un-American of you, Mr. Greenwood. Americans don't share shit. No, <laughs> uh, I'm not sure how true this is, but I guess back in the 80s, Mr. Greenwood was actually asked to write God Bless You Canada by President H.W. Bush because I guess he wanted the song to spread goodwill towards our neighbors to the north, but I'm wondering if that was really necessary. I mean, Canadians have nothing but goodwill, right? That's like their second largest export after syrup. So what does that say about us? That we needed a song to remind us, okay, guys, let's be nice to Canada. But uh, I think it works. Uh, there are a lot of Canadians coming down here and taking our jobs and entertaining the crap out of us. Right? Jim Carrey, Ryan Reynolds, Seth Rogen, Ryan Gosling, Justin Bieber, all Canadian. As if we needed any more white dudes in America. But let's think about why these talented people are coming here in the first place. There's just an appeal to being an American, right? We've got the most beef in the world. <laughs> We've got the highest number of pets. You know, we love our fur babies. Uh, we're the plastic surgery capital of the world. And when you look good, you feel good because you think you're better looking than other people. So when you add all those up, being an American sounds pretty sweet, right? So what does it take to be an American citizen? Um, there's, of course, the easy way, be born here. And even then, people might be like, nah, you're from Kenya. And then there's the hard way, take a test. Now, thankfully, current Americans don't have to take the test to keep their citizenship because we all know how well some of us do on exams. But for the people who have to take a test, first you have to prove you can speak, read, and write English. Again, current Americans are lucky we don't have to take this test because a lot of us don't even know the difference between there, there, and there. I get it, some words are difficulter than others, but so you get past the English test, then there's the civics portion. They actually give you a study guide of 100 possible questions, and they only end up asking 10, which doesn't seem very difficult, but I went through these questions, and some of them are curveballs. Like, for example, what is the supreme law of the land? Now, I would have assumed the supreme law of the land is finders keepers, losers weepers, but it's actually not. The correct answer is the Constitution, which seems obvious after you hear the answer, but am I wrong in assuming a lot of us would forget about this old stack of papers? And then I came across the rights and responsibilities section of the study guide. Everyone knows their rights as a U.S. citizen, you know, the right to bear arms, freedom of religion, freedom of speech, which everyone loves to throw in your face when you tell them they're being an asshole. Freedom of speech, man, it's my right to be an asshole. If you don't like it, you can get out. Yeah, everyone knows their rights, but did you know you have responsibilities as a U.S. citizen? That's a downer, right? I didn't know this gig came with a catch. So, my fellow Americans, let me ask you. What are our civic responsibilities? 
Good news, being nice to each other is certainly not one of them. Thank God, or the Founding Fathers, because have you talked to anyone from Ohio? Whew, nightmare. Anyway, our responsibilities as American citizens include serving on a jury when called upon, paying taxes, defending our country when the need arises. Now, have you heard of Selective Service? Um, that's the thing that can draft 18 to 25 year old dudes if the military needs backup or whatever. And the way it works, um, I think they pick names out of a hat. No, not really, I don't think, but you have to register when you turn 18 and nobody told me about this until my 18th birthday when my mom was like, happy birthday and uh, oh yeah, don't forget to register for selective service. And I was like, what the fuck is that? I had never heard of it before, or at least I forgot about it. Um, but I did it, I registered because it was my responsibility as an American, that and because they could have put me in prison if I didn't. So really, no contest. And uh, finally, the most popular responsibility, participating in the democratic process. Now, participating can mean a lot of things, but the most obvious is voting, right? Now, this isn't really a rule, but you're supposed to be informed on the issues before you vote. And uh, I would say it's evident that people don't really care too much about the facts. But uh, it makes you wonder, what does it take to be truly informed? You know, a lot of us think it's as easy as switching on the old television box and tuning into your favorite news station, but it's not. Way back in the 1920s, this guy named Walter Lippmann understood true democracy only works if people stay informed and take action. But my man Walter didn't think Americans were capable of doing that. But he doesn't put the blame on us common folk. He argued that it's hard to stay informed because the media be spinning all kinds of shit. Now, this is way back in the 1920s, right? A hundred years later, and the media has perfected the art of bullshitting. As much as I hate to say this, he who shall not be named actually had a point when he said fake news. Okay, that pains me to say, but there is some truth in that. At the end of the day, a news station's a business, and they're in the business of getting people to watch the news. So when your main goal is to get higher ratings, you'll pretty much say anything, right? You'll say some real off-the-wall crazy shit to get people to tune in. Even in the 1920s, Walter Lippmann said the news and truth are not the same thing. And just for context, Walter Lippmann is considered to be the father of modern journalism, so I think he knows what he's talking about. Again, this was in the 1920s, which was supposed to be like the heyday of American pride, right? People were going to parties, getting wasted, dancing. I mean, people still do that today, but back in the roaring 20s, for someone to be like, hey man, this is actually bullshit, that seems like a big deal, and it's only gotten worse. Surprise, surprise, social media doesn't help, which is funny because social media is definitely evolving the way we play politics. I mean, political figures have to have a social media presence if they want to win elections. Presidential political debates typically break records for the most live tweets. You can stay informed and take action with a swipe of your finger. And you might be wondering, well, why is that an issue? Let me tell you. There were two sociologists in the 1940s named Katz and Lazarsfeld, uh, also the name of an upcoming crime drama on TNT. And Katz and Lazarsfeld researched what they called the two-step flow of communication. And uh, what they found is people typically form their opinions based on what their opinion leaders tell them. Now, opinion leaders are someone you respect and you feel like you can trust what they tell you. You know, these are your friends, family, Lady Gaga, people like that. So even if you don't read that news article that your friend shared on Facebook, they're telling you their opinion on it, and that's good enough for you. And if you haven't caught on to why this is a problem, uh, how do I put this gently? 
your friends don't know shit, and what they're sharing is probably shit. Uh, for example, a study published by Science Magazine found falsehoods are 70% more likely to be spread on Twitter than truths. That's a lot of bullshit being retweeted. But our news feeds and timelines are sacred, and we only want to see what we agree with and what we think is truth. During the last presidential election, I actually lost count of all the posts that were like, if you believe in this, or if you're voting for this person, I'm going to delete you off of Facebook and Twitter and such and such. But when you only want to hear one side of an issue, you'll never be able to make a truly informed decision on anything. And you know what? That's your right. As an American. Freedom of not giving a shit what the other side has to say. Which brings me to my self-help advice. Irish exit staying informed. There's a lot of news and information out there, some good, some bad. It seems like a lot of effort to get the facts straight. And if the headline doesn't tell me everything I need to know, that's too damn bad because there's no way I'm clicking a link to get the full story. And who really cares about the truth anyway? Who cares about listening to counter arguments? You'll never know if you're right or wrong if you don't give the opposition a chance to speak. As we already painfully know, every American has the freedom of speech. But we also have the freedom to ignore you and the facts. And that, my friends, is the real appeal of being an American. And let me tell you, I'm proud to be an American, and whatever you say I'll disagree. Thanks for listening to this absurdity, and my vote is for you to join me next time. Irish exit everything. Irish exit everything.